Good morning. It's so good to be here. It always, I said this earlier, it always feels like home here. You do such a great job welcoming and making us feel like a part of your family, and that's special. So I appreciate that. All right. I was just talking to your pastor about if he preaches from an iPad or not, and how to have papers up here in case something goes wrong, and mine are right over there in case it doesn't already. <laughs> it, oh, there we go. Good. I got to just shake it, I guess. So, okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, your pastor mentioned that this is a hard topic to talk about this morning. I'm going to start off with sharing about our vision at Hannah's House and what we do. And I'm going to um, go to this difficult topic, and then we're going to come back to what Hannah's House does, okay? Our vision at Hannah's House is that all young women have the support and resources that are necessary to be able to grow physically, emotionally, and spiritually into healthy adults. So breaking that cycle of poverty, abuse, or neglect. And we work to fulfill that vision through supporting and mentoring, connecting with young people. Relationship matters. Amen? It does. Relationship matters. First, our relationship with God is so important. Relationship matters, right? And then our relationship with others, relationship matters. And so we work long and hard to connect with young people in many different ways, which I'll tell you about in a moment. But as I talk about human trafficking this morning, I want to echo your pastor again that, that this, even if it's not your story, it can resonate in our story, and it's sometimes tough to hear. So if you need to stand up, you need to go to the back, or you need to go out, it's okay. It's totally okay. You're in a safe place to do that. So I'm going to move somewhat quickly through um, the, the definition of human trafficking. I was here a couple years ago, and we talked about human trafficking. Um, and so I don't want to stay there too long. Where I want to land is something that I really feel that we need to hear today. But human trafficking is a form of modern-day slavery. U.S. law defines human trafficking as the use of force, fraud, or coercion to compel a person into commercial sex acts or labor or services against his or her will. So you might ask yourself this question, why are we talking about human trafficking, sex trafficking in church? Well, the first reason we are this morning is that sex trafficking is an offense to the sanctity of human life. All human beings are made in the image of God. Women, men, girls, boys, the wealthy, the poor, regardless of ed education, all are equal and valuable. 
And it is a sin and an offense against God to force another human being to do anything, but especially into slavery. And that is exactly what is happening every day in the sex trafficking industry. Next to drug trafficking. Sexual exploitation is the very opposite of authentic intimacy that we can find knowing our Heavenly Father. And as the church, we should be the forerunners on eradicating this evil called human trafficking. Also, we're talking about this today so we can be educated. This is definitely an education here today. And, and we are being educated and made aware. We can then prevent human trafficking in the life of our young people or anyone around us. And then also, I truly believe that working together, we can bring about change, even ending human trafficking. So human trafficking is one of the largest crimes against humanity, but often goes unnoticed by the majority of society. Why is that? Why is that? Well, there are a couple different reasons. One is lack of awareness. You know, this isn't the Hollywood movie Taken. That does happen. I don't know anyone that it's happened to. It does happen. But what we're talking about today is in our backyard, and it is happening right here. Also, denial. We don't want to believe that it's happening in our community or in our families. We want to believe that that is something that comes with crime or poverty. One expert says... The only city that human trafficking isn't found is the one no one is looking for it in. And by the way, human traffickers target those very places, which makes those places not a safe place for our kiddos. Human trafficking in the USA... Each year, an estimated 100 to 300,000 U.S. children are at risk of commercial sex exploitation. And that's all up there. That was up there last time I was here. I'm just going to leave that there for a second. You can look at it. But what I really want to point out is that the National Hotline annually receives multiple reports of human trafficking cases in all 50 states. The National um, Hotline runs through the Polaris Project, and they report the number of human trafficking cases in the U.S. increases every year. It's increasing. And the National Hotline receives an average of 150 calls a day. But yet... Trafficking statistics are often unreliable due to a variety of factors. Once a young person is victimized, identifying them can be really difficult for several reasons. One, the young person's inability to recognize that they are a victim. Therefore, they're unwilling to seek help. We've never, to my knowledge, on our task force has had a young person come to us and say, I'm being trafficked. They just, they don't. Um, you know, they feel often, and it's through manipulation, that they chose this. They made that bad decision to maybe sneak out of the house or to go somewhere they knew they weren't supposed to or to talk to somebody that they knew they should them there. 
And, and I think of one young girl that we worked with. She was coerced out of her two-parent home in a nice neighborhood. Um, and, and really, after three years of working with her now, she's just starting to really believe that she was manipulated. And trust me, she was. Another reason, the young person is reluctant to disclose the problem due to the sense of shame. I mean, who wants to admit, right, that they did the unthinkable, something they never would have thought they would ever do? Imagine if when I came in here this morning, I had given you all an envelope, and I told you to, to just write on that envelope in your seat, inside it, the worst thing you've ever done. And then I did one more thing, and I asked you to pass them up to me. Would you feel a little nervous? You would, right? Yeah. And, and so just that, that feeling of shame that keeps them from ever telling anybody. <clears throat> also fear. You know, fear of being in trouble. Fear of rejection from their family or community. The stigma associated with human trafficking. And also the fear of their traffickers who often make threats. I'm working with one young girl who... Um, he came to her house. He was outside saying, come outside or I'm coming in and was threatening her grandparents' life because she lived with them. And again, the power and control of the traffickers' manipulation causes them not to tell anyone. One little girl that I work with, um, she was trafficked in what she calls the hood for a year and a half before her parents even knew she had snuck out of the house. It was really her collapsing from a double life that she was living before anyone ever knew. We can't be naive, church, to believe that the numbers that we do have, the statistics nationally that we do have, that they don't represent our communities because they do. So who is at risk of human trafficking? Though there is really no standard profile of a child trafficked victim, several risk factors do make certain um, children more susceptible. Reports indicate that traffickers often target children and youth with a history of sexual abuse, dating violence, low self-esteem, and minimal social support. One, one little girl I was working with, um, this door opened for her when she was 12 years old. She was recruited by her older sister, and um, both of them had a history of all those things that I just shared with you, and um, the very people who really should have been taking care of them were abusing them, and in her 12-year-old little mind, she's thinking, at least I'm going to get something out of this, like my nails done, or my hair done, or maybe a new pair of shoes, because that's grooming. That's what they do to get them to buy in, and then that all changes quickly. And by the way, her sister, her older sister, was only 15 at the time and was being trafficked by an older boyfriend that's called a finesse pimp. Runaways and homeless youth, uh, male, female, both transgender, are at a particularly high risk for becoming victims, although some victims continue to go to school and live at home and possibly could be sitting in your church. So let's take a look at recognizing the signs of human trafficking. I do have a couple resource papers out there for you at the table. 
Shared Hope is a great resource. Um, they have a lot of different things, Doug, with the youth ministry, things, parents that you can go to and talk, find out how to talk to your kids about these things. Um, but I've been to their trainings, their national trainings, and they are definitely forerunners um, in eradicating human trafficking. So definitely a trustworthy resource. Um, some possible, possible behavior indicators of child sex trafficking include, but aren't limited to, of course. And when I say some of these, don't be like, oh my gosh, because my daughter came home and she had a bruise or something, or she had a tattoo. You know, any one of these could be reason for concern and attention, but usually there's several of them that play a part in a victim's life. But frequently running away from home, um, references made to frequent travel, they've been places. Of course, bruises or other signs of trauma, withdrawn behavior, depression, um, not really having much control of their schedule or kind of falling apart, not being able to keep things together because possibly of that double life. I'm just going to um, pick a few of these. Um, you know, things that a older boyfriend maybe all of a sudden is in the picture and then buying them things that you know that their family can't afford. That's again called the finesse pimp. Um, an attempt to, to conceal bruises or scars or tattoos. Um, Shannon and I recently got a phone call from one of the girls that I work with, and um, we actually drove to Maslin where she was in a bad situation and got her in our car with us, and she had bite marks all over her. She, her hair had been ripped out in the back. Um, he had put a tattoo on her, um, and, and I'm just so thankful that she called. Um, again, there's, there's a whole list of things that we need to be aware of. We need to know what red flags are. So within our communities, within our families, you know, we can recognize those and make phone calls because it might be your phone call that either starts an investigation or is that missing piece that then might stop a ring of trafficking. So that's kind of a quick 101 on human trafficking. Where I kind of want to land now for a little bit longer is, um, let me ask you a question. Where do you think the hot spots are? Because you've probably seen those Facebook posts that say, oh my gosh, I was at Target today and I noticed these two women and they were paying special attention to me and my kids and, and I had to get the security to go outside and that's scary and it's probably true. We have to be safe wherever we go and, and I just recently had an inbox of, is this true, Miss Patty, is it true? Where a mom was at the park and she was playing with her kids and someone slashed her leg and all the attention was on her because she was bleeding and, and then, you know, they tried to kidnap the kids and, you know, I don't know if that story is true or not. You've probably seen them. But what I do know is it takes the focus off of where the true hot spots really are. So it could be the malls. It could be Target, it could be the parks, it could be the bus stops. Those are all definitely places that we need to practice safety, right? I mean, we teach our kids to be aware of our surrounding. It's really important. But where I really want to land now is where the true hot spot is. And what if I told you that it's in your homes already? It, it comes in every day. 
spends the night in your house, your grandkids' house, and even scarier, their bedrooms. The number one hotspot is online. It's in your kids' hands. It's on the computer. Gaming devices, another resource I have out there, you know, some games like Fortnite, the popular one, Minecraft, and, and this resource is really good because it kind of tells you what they're saying on those games as these predators are playing with your kiddos. Traffickers are meeting our kids right in their homes. And then once they build trust in them, because the boyfriend, finesse pimp, they move slowly. They know what they're doing. That's why we need to know what they're doing. They build trust. They listen to your kids. They spend time with them. They build trust. And then they get them to do one thing. Maybe send a picture. Um, talk about their family in a way that they could use against them later. Once they get them to do that one thing, it's an open door to the next thing. Once they start to get a little hesitation from that kiddo, they begin the threats. I'll expose you. I still have those pictures or that video you sent me. And again, remember that shame factor, getting in trouble, the threat, I know where you live because you told me. Um, one young girl that we were working with did this. She started an online relationship with somebody that she thought was just like a teenage boy. And he was winning her heart. They had been talking for some time. And the next thing we know, he is knocking on her door to come get her. And that's a pretty bold move. But he did, knocked on the door. Her dad, she was being raised by a single dad, which is why we had her. She needed a female role model. He opens the door and he asks for her, this grown man by name, and wants to take his daughter. And he's like, no, slams the door. That's a pretty bold move. I don't know if she told him he wasn't gonna be there or what the situation was. Another young girl, um, she left her home many nights, um, two parents, home, sleeping in their bed, never had a problem thinking that this would happen. And because she put herself out there, she sent that nude picture. She started getting a lot of attention and, and liked it. She was insecure and um, she would sneak out night after night and they would, grown men would be just right down the street picking her up night after night. And, and I don't tell you all of this to scare you because that's not what I'm here for, but to really impress upon you that this is a very real thing. And because of technology and the way it's ever-changing and growing, we have to be aware of what is in front of our, ki our kids. I, I also want to talk real quick about sexting. And um, this, these resources I have for you here coming up, um, are from NetSmarts, and I have some resources out there for you on those as well. 
Um, but sexting is sending or receiving nude or partially nude pictures. And, you know, teenagers, I love you, so I'm going to say this, but parents, did you know they can hide pictures on their phones? There's, there's just a little button that when you click on a picture, you can click to hide it, and it doesn't show in the news or in the photo stream any longer. So, you know, we need to check our phones. It was nothing for my husband to go like this to one of our four boys, and they knew exactly what it meant. It meant, let me have your phone. Don't turn it off. Don't change what's happening right now. Let me see your phone. And, and they respected him for that. They didn't, I mean, they might not have liked it, but they, they it respected him and they turned it over. It was a privilege that they had and they didn't want to lose it, so they handed it over. And he would just make sure all was well on that phone. Now, I want to say that I sit in the courtroom because I'm an advocate for our girls when they go to court or if they're in the human trafficking program that we have, I'm there as their mentor and, and our staff who are specially trained walk that with walk that out with them and I sit in the courtroom all the time with people who look just like you and their daughters look just like these girls and they did that one thing where they sent that picture and at school if they get caught they have to call the cops and it's a felony charge to send or receive photos of a minor it doesn't matter if it's you that sent it it's a felony charge. So not only are our kids getting felony charges, but we try our best, which you didn't hear this from me, to not give you a felony charge. We're going to put you in a diversion program, which is then where I come in, and I get to be your mentor and, and help you see the dangers of doing something like that and help you build your self-esteem. But not only is it doing that, it's opening up a door for a predator or a human trafficker to come in and... I can't say this enough, especially to our young people. It's a really, really hard door to come back out of. I, I just, if you hear nothing else today, just remember that. I <clears throat> had one young girl that she came over through the diversion program <clears throat> and she had to do some community service with us. Lovely young woman. Um, again, two-parent home, successful family, and she did that. Teacher found it, had to make the report. They sent her to us, and she just shared with everybody. Everybody's doing it. I'm just the one that got caught, and that's, that's a scary thought to think, and, and I realize not everybody's doing it, but it, we see a lot of kids who are doing it. So why are they sexting? Why is this happening? Sometimes it's just to be funny, um, to impress a crush, peer pressure, because, again, you hear those words, as everybody's doing it, it's no big deal. Um, experimenting with relationships, sexual behavior, and boundaries. And, and we just have to, again, stress this because, you know, it might be something that they think is not very dangerous or isn't hurting anybody, and it doesn't matter, even if it's just among peers, because what's happening is it's getting really comfortable with them. And then they meet this person that they don't really know online, and nothing happened with their friends, and now they're comfortable enough to send it on to a stranger, and that can be really dangerous. And then, of course, there are consequences 
of sexting. So, of course, humiliation, because we know how that goes. Somebody gets that picture or that video. We have, you know, also, I keep saying girls, but we minister to, to females, um, where they got in trouble because a, a video or a picture was floating around, and it got to them, and, and they send it on, too, to other people. Because, again, you know, it's a felony charge to send or receive nude photos or videos of a minor. And so, you know, humiliation, not only in school, in the community, to their families, um, bullying, blackmail, and again, that's <clears throat> sometimes an open door um, to, to trafficking, school discipline, they get in trouble, of course, police involvement. You know, how do these solicitations of sexting occur? Mostly on social media, social network. Peer-to-peer -peer can just be through their phones, um, but for the most part, it's on social media, different apps. So how do offenders groom children? They exploit their natural curiosity. They are gradually introducing explicit images. And again, you know, it's not like a stranger pops up and they just do an explicit video. It's, it's a process. Like I said, they're spending time with your kids. Um, they use their adult status to control a child's behavior. Um, they offer them gifts like cell phones and gift cards. We worked with a young man in the beginning when we were working with young men who was effeminate, and his teacher preyed upon that and, and um, started showing him attention and building extra special relationship with him and then eventually giving him, you know, iPhones and iPads in exchange for sex. And then that teacher traded him for sex to other men. Signs of grooming. So, um, you know, you need to check, to, is your child receiving gifts? If, you, if they can't explain these gifts or it just doesn't seem right, that's, that's a sign. Um, calling or receiving calls from unknown numbers. Rejecting family and friends because, again, that's what traffickers do. They want to isolate you from your family. They want to turn you against them. They want you to not trust them. Um, getting upset when they're not online. So, you know, if you have some boundaries and they're really upset about it, you know, what's causing that? And then, you know, when you do go into the room or you ask for their phone, are they they're getting rid of all their apps, closing everything out? That's also a sign. And then what to do if any of this does happen? Um, you need to report it. You can, um, it's called Cyber Tip Line, and I have it on the papers out there, but there is a phone number and the website up there, too, and, and again, you can grab that out there. So, now what I want to say to you parents, grandparents, you have been given the most amazing opportunity to be the biggest influence in your child's life. We have to teach them and equip them so that they do not become one of these statistics. And for technology, there are options. Um, you know, you can use filtering monitors. It's okay to put things on your kids' phones. Um, you know, consult. Research options for other mobile devices. We, you know, 
when a young person does this and they go to court and they do it again and they get another phone and they do it again, and I realize kids can just keep getting phones these days, you know, but when they're ordered that they're not allowed to have a phone because they're just not keeping themselves safe, but you, because we live in a world of technology and you want to keep them safe, there are ways to have phones and watches that they can't do any of that on. It's just basically so you can communicate with them. Look at their individual apps. Get on the, the internet, research what's popular, because it's ever-changing, you know. And let me tell you, the traffickers, they're always on it. They know what's new, they know what the kids are liking, and they're right on there with them. Okay. I want to show you this little, um, as you influence your kiddos to do the right thing, I want to show you this little, this next slide is, um, oh, back one. There should be one that kids are capable Maybe. I can, oh, there it is. Okay. So um, this is a chat log that was reported to the cyber tip line. The offender, and this offender could have been a kid, a teenager, an older person. We, we don't know. Um, in the conversation, so they're having a conversation with them. Won a trade? Question mark. Trade? Question mark. Like nudes? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I'll go first. The child says, no, ha, 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 ha. And the offender sends a photo anyways. Child, bye, you're gross. Keep some clothes on, LOL. Our kids are capable of making right choices. And these are the kind of choices we want to make sure they're making right. Um, and so empower them, equip them. Um, having a cell phone, a smartphone, gaming devices are a privilege, and it is the world that we live in. We are raising a generation of young people right now that have never been without it. So we're trying to kind of figure it all out ourselves, but, you know, it's okay to be the parent. So now that next slide, why do we still have slavery in our world today? As far as we have come, how can we possibly still have this thing called slavery and I'm told there's more slavery in the world today than there has been throughout history altogether. So we still have slavery in the world today because of demand. We need to be a part of demolishing the demand. Now on this point, it's important for Jesus followers to recognize the connection between sex trafficking and pornography to be opposing sex trafficking while also a consumer of porn is a deep contradiction. It's a simple matter of supply and demand. Porn users increase the demand side of the equation, which results in more people being exploited. Statistics show I hate that I hate saying this, and I don't see even use the word hate very often. But this next sentence is, it's heartbreaking to me that in and out of the church. And, and I don't even say that to shame anybody. Because, Pastor, there are a lot of programs to help people. And, and at one of our trainings just recently in Cincinnati, there was a man 
who was brave enough in front of a whole convention of people who are on the front lines of human trafficking who used pornography. And he stood with the human trafficking survivor. And he apologized to her, and she interviewed him. And he, he was happily married. And something went wrong. There was some problems. And he turned to pornography. And, and pornography is addicting. And from there, he started buying women for sex. And thankfully, the good Lord got a hold of him because as he looked at his history on his computer and the girls that he had purchased, they were getting younger and younger. And he, he knows, he realizes that he probably would have headed down that road of buying minors We have to be a part of demolishing the demand. We have to raise up our young people. We have to show our boys how to be men of integrity and how to treat and respect all people, especially women. We have to build our young people's self-esteem that they don't have to look for someone else to do that to them. We have to put Work aside sometimes and listen and spend time with our kiddos. If playing games is what they like to do, then learn how to play them. Get up alongside them and play them with them. And speak up, teens and adults, when you know somebody is doing those things. Speak up and let them know, you know, you're hurting a lot of people when you look at that on your phone. At Hannah's house, because we see firsthand the evil that human trafficking and the devastation that human trafficking does in people's lives, and because we have a teen parenting program also, we see the many struggles of teen parenting and, and for a young person who drops out of high school and the devastation of addictions. And so we take very serious the prevention piece in all of this. And so that's what we do. We go out and we build relationships. We go into schools. I think we have about 20 groups a week meeting at schools where we're just getting girls in a circle and we're helping them have healthy peer support and one more caring adult in their life. We, we have a lot of referrals that come from um, family court and through other agencies. So we do programming at our, our location too, doing the same thing. We're teaching about healthy relationships. We're teaching good communication skills. We're, of course, talking about internet safety. And we teach all the girls about communication. And we're building self-esteem and self-worth because we believe that relationship matters. Did you know that 1.2 million students drop out of high school every year. Six seconds, 7,000 a day. Our teens are numbing out with drugs. 90% of adult addicts started their drug use before they were 18. 3.2 million kids are bullied every year. Kids are becoming addicted to pornography as early as the age of 11. The United States has one of the highest teen pregnancy rates in the Western industrialized world. Three in 10 American girls will get pregnant. 
That's nearly 750,000 teen pregnancies every year. Parenthood is the reason, leading reason, why teen girls drop out of school and more than 50% of teen moms will not graduate. Tragically, suicide is the second leading cause of death among teens and young adults. All of these things making them very vulnerable to this evil called human trafficking. It's the second leading industry in the world, and Ohio ranks fourth. I know you've heard these, but hear them again. It's not anything we want to be number one in. The average age into human trafficking is 12 to 14 years old. And these statistics, they don't just represent kids that we might understandably think they do. Kids in foster care or at-risk kids or kids in unideal situations. But the reality is they represent all of our kids. Mine, yours. It doesn't matter if they have a two-parent home or a single-parent home, their economic status, every kid from every background. Now, I quoted Josh Shipp on that, and we use his quote all the time, that every child is just one decision away from becoming a statistic, one bad choice from becoming a statistic. And he knows because he's been there. He lived in many foster homes until that one caring adult stepped into his life. And at Hannah's house, we believe that every child matters. We had a human trafficking survivor come to one of our trainings about a year ago, and she told her horrific story. And then we asked her as a community, it was a pretty big county training, we said, you know, if we were your community then, what could we have done to help you? How could we have maybe been a part of changing all of that for you? And she stepped back and she thought about it for a second, and then she said, hmm, maybe if somebody would have just hugged me hugged me and told me that I mattered because she didn't think she mattered and so she lived more than 20 years devastated that's heartbreaking and very convicting isn't it search institute has studied more than 5 million of our American adolescents and what they're finding is that kids who have assets in their life, like easy things, being involved in their community, being a part of a faith community, feeling good about themselves, having a sense of purpose, that the more a young person has these assets, and they studied five million of our American adolescents, they saw those kids are who are thriving. They're doing well in their communities. They're engaging in positive things. They're doing well in school. But on the other hand, the kids who don't have those simple things aren't. And they're made very vulnerable. So that's what we do at Hannah's house. I'm going to close with a quick story. <clears throat> we have a young girl who, she came to us about three years ago. Um, she was labeled a runaway. And um, her mom 
and dad both had some, some pretty serious issues going on in their life, and, and they just really weren't able to meet the many the needs of the many kids that they had in their home. And at the age of 12, this young girl was determined. She was going to get a job, 12 years old. She was going to find a job where she could be able to pay for some of those basic needs that she had. So she left her home to do that two summers in a row, was gone the whole summer, and nobody reported her missing. And I thank the Lord that nothing terrible happened to her during that time. She really was working. She traveled with a carnival. They just let her join in and took her for the summer. It wasn't until that second summer that she didn't get back in time for school that she got a truancy charge, and that's when she was referred to us. Now, um, it's been three years, and nothing has changed in her family. As a matter of fact, it's gotten much worse. But this young lady is not a statistic. She's almost 18, and she's alive. She's not a teen mom. Even though so vulnerable, she's not a human trafficking victim, and she's on track to graduate. Most importantly, she's given her life to the Lord. She was baptized last year. She has become a powerful witness for Jesus. She recognizes that Jesus sent an army to rescue you. I wish I had her whole story that I could tell you, but it takes too long. Um, But she recognizes Jesus rescued her. He sent an army out to rescue her. And now she realizes she gets to be part of that army to help rescue others. She's not a statistic. Why? Because one caring adult called a mentor stepped into her life. Was it easy? Nope. Did it happen overnight? No. But with consistency and grace and understanding, giving her time and space to heal and grow, She is becoming more and more like her Savior, from glory to glory. So again, Josh Shipp's words, the difference from being a statistic to a success story could be you. So I want to leave you with some words of encouragement. Get involved, whether it's through Hannah's house and you want to partner with us in any way, we would love that. But get involved in your community. Reach out to the kiddos here in your church Even in that passing of seeing someone, you don't know what your word of encouragement from a survivor that, you know, to think about changing the world is overwhelming. But if we can just focus on that one that crosses our path today, we could possibly change their world. So God bless you. Thank you for having me. And Shannon and I will be here for a little bit after the service. If you have any questions, we will be glad to answer them for you. Well, Pastor Patty, uh, thank you. You're welcome. I know this has been a, uh, it's, it's a hard thing to talk about. And uh, I just remember being a part of a shape group when you were praying over what the Lord was calling you to do mm-hmm. and to, to, to leave the ministry that you were enjoying. And, I loved. And, uh, I know, and you loved and <laughs> loved the students. And, and then you took that big, huge step of faith. Uh, and and I just thank you for being obedient to what God has called you to do in your life. Um, I know it took a lot of sacrifice uh, to do that. 
I'd also like to give a, a shout out to Shannon, uh, her husband, who's in the back, because you had to sacrifice too uh, to, to be able to, to do this ministry together. And, and so thank you for that. Um, I came back from my sabbatical in, in December, and, and I've been uh, reminding the students about an offering box that we have outside our student ministry door and telling them a little bit about Hannah's house and what you're doing. And, and, I, and then I, and I said, you know, she might be coming and, and hear a little <laughs> bit more about what she's uh, doing because uh, I wanted the students to understand uh, some of the things. And so I, I just, again, say thank you, but I, I, this is Brianna Fischel, and, okay. and she's just going to share something with you real quick. So like Doug said, we have been collecting an offering for Hannah's house, and I would like to present to you $106 awesome. that we raised. Thank you, guys. That's precious. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Again, our prayers are with you, and uh, Pastor Josh, we'll turn Thank it over you. to you. Thanks. So um, obviously this morning we paused on our series on the marriage commandments. I just needed a break. Um, myself, no. But I, I want people just to get to hear what Patty is doing and to see that there's a lot of brokenness in our world. You know, as we go through the marriage commandments, as we look at our own relationships, just relationships around the world, the relationships that we have in our family and so forth, there's a lot of brokenness. And it is our job as the church and as Christians to shine light in dark places, right, and to walk out of that. And so um, I'm glad that you were able to be here with us this morning, Patty. And I want our church to be informed, you know, as we think about how we're going to take care of our kids in children's ministry or in youth ministry. Uh, you've noticed over the past several years, we have really upped our game when it comes to background checks and training and all of those sorts of things for this reason. Um, we want to make sure that people are informed, they know what's going on, and that it's this, our kids are safe. But not only that, we want to be the type of community. As you said, you know, I'm reading all these books right now as well that basically tell you, if the, the, the number one thing that you can provide for your young people is one, a stable family, two, a stable community. And the church should be a community where people come to and they feel loved and welcomed. And if you make the mistake and you send out that picture that you wish you wouldn't have sent, this is not a place that you should come to and be afraid to share that or to live in your shame or to live in your guilt. But this should be a place where you come to share that and so that you can walk out of the darkness into the light. 